Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Rob Gronkowski signed his one-year contract with the Bucks and met the media. Gronk is back. After winning a Super Bowl in his earlier days, he may still be partying, but he says he's ready to play another season right now. We've got some other NFL news to get to as well, like Deshaun Jackson heading back home to his home in L.A. to play for the Rams. And the USF women's basketball team will play top-seeded North Carolina State today at 3 p.m., Jose Fernandez's team won their first tournament game in five years, knocking off Washington State Sunday night. We'll talk to the voice of the Bulls women's basketball team, Derek Sharp, about today's matchup and what uh, Coach Fernandez has been able to do with that program. We've got all that and more in this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. And before we get to Derek Sharp, who I've known since uh, our radio days, actually uh, was our producer in the old Rick and Tom show. Have you ever talked to him during the day, with though? Him. I don't think I've talked to him after 9 a.m. Uh, <laughs> and this is true because, I mean, the thing about Derek was, uh, and he'll tell you this, that he, he, he got up for morning radio a lot more years than we did it. And uh, the, the morning shift, as you know, is, is a tough one. And so not many people are talking to many people before you, the, the mics click on. But Derek had it down to a science because – um, once me and Tom, you know, figured out where the buttons were, uh, he of course had to sort of light the candle for us and, and, and we'd be looking at the clock and it would be, you know, uh, 558, 559. And on cue, uh, the music would start, he'd come in the door, the music would start. Uh, then we, we do our first segment, whatever that was. And then he'd come in, he'd have all the clips. He had everything ready for us. Um, you never doubted him, but he had it down to the nanosecond. And it always amazed me. I know like it's like that in broadcasting for people that do it all the time. They just have this, you know, they, they know where they have to be uh, in their day or in their morning at certain hours, you know, or certain minutes. And he had it he had it down, man. But we I don't think we I don't think we spoke for the first thirty minutes of the show every day and then he'd come in after a break or something like that. But he was always working it, man. That that guy as you know, Steve, you work with him now. I mean, what can't he do, right? I mean, he does all the play-by-play for USF and um, so many other programs and things. And there was and, a day, uh, there was a day a week or two ago, he called a, I believe it was a men's soccer game, a women's volleyball game, and a softball game on the same day at USF. Good, good, unbelievable. <laughs> It was three broadcasts. It might have been a women's soccer game, not a men's soccer game, but it was soccer, volleyball, and softball on the same day. And I'm sure he loved it. And I, I truly oh, every mean that minute because <laughs> he could not get enough. In fact, you know, we were the newspaper guys coming to radio. And no sooner did we do that, that he became the radio guy that went to newspapers because he <laughs> loved, he, he just loved uh, covering sports and, and particularly uh, women's sports. And he started becoming a correspondent for us covering high schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, back when we covered high schools. Derek um, loves the all Tampa the sports like soccer. Like volleyball, yes. um, softball. Yes. I mean, he loves the, he loves those sports. I mean, his favorite sports of the mainstream sports is college basketball, which you don't 
talk a lot about here in this market is often that's right. You know, March Madness may be the exception, but you know, those are the types. Mm -hmm. You know, he loves watching soccer and you know Premier League and and Bundesliga Mm -hmm. and all that. He'll watch that. I mean, he loves those the 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 not the the big primetime sports, the footballs and the baseball. I mean, he likes those sports, but the ones he really gravitates towards is you know, give me a women's softball game or a soccer game or. You know, mm-hmm. that's the you know USF baseball or women's basketball. He loves those games and it eats that up and, and lives it and breathes it and, and he does a great job with it. Yeah, he's so knowledgeable uh, of all, and you need that right because we don't get around to see uh, enough of, of the women uh, spe- specifically, um, you know, in high schools and then and now of course USF's their programs are all doing well, and uh, so if you if you've listened, um, you know, to the to to the station on iHeartMedia, you've heard Derek Sharp's voice, and most people heard him for years and years anyway because he he was an on-air talent. He would he would host weekends, had his own show uh, on DAE, and produced a bunch of shows, and was just like that guy that was, as you know, since you were you know mm-hmm. the program director, he was indispensable over there. Yep. for so many years. But, yeah, he's doing uh, a great job on. USF. Yeah, he's doing a great job on Bulls Unlimited. If you don't know what that is. It's a twenty four seven streaming channel. Actually, there's two of them on iHeartRadio. There's Bulls Unlimited and Bulls Unlimited Two. Mm-hmm. So they actually have two channels. That's dedicated purely to USF sports. You get all their their broadcasts. Uh, any if there's a game going live, they can broadcast. They do um, all the men's basketball, women's basketball on those channels. They do as many volleyball, softball, baseball, soccer. You name it. They'll if they if they can if they have the people and the ability to call the game, they do. Um, it's available on the iHeartRadio app for free, so it's a uh, uh, great resource if you're a fan of the USF Bulls. If you haven't discovered it yet, you need to listen. And, and Derek does a daily show called Bulls Beat every morning at 9 a.m. on there, too. So, Yeah, busy guy, still grinding. We'll talk to him in just a minute. Um, also on uh, Monday, Rob Gronkowski, of course, the Bucks tight end, longtime Patriots tight end. He's, he's at the point of his career he had retired, came back, wins the Super Bowl with Tom Brady, and he's a year-to-year guy, right? He was an fr- unrestricted free agent uh, after his Patriots contract uh, that the Bucks assumed finally ran out, and they reached an agreement with him a week ago. Uh, it's a one-year deal for $8 million. He could make as much as $10 million, I guess, with certain playtime incentives, and he did play an awful lot of snaps for, uh, for the Bucks last year. But he is back and uh, met with the media on Monday. Had some interesting things to say. I mean, I, I think, you know, the one thing that – we were curious about it and he mentioned it on another podcast uh, that he wanted a chance to look around and he had never been a free agent. He signed uh, after his rookie deal pretty early on. He, he agreed to like an eight year contract with the Patriots, which was unprecedented uh, for a guy that was about 22 years old at the time, but he went ahead and, uh, and did that. And so this was really the first time he's had a chance to be a free agent. He kind of said he wanted to dip his toe in the water and he didn't dip it very far because uh, you know, all along, uh, as we suspected, you know he was not going to leave Tampa Bay and or Tom Brady if he could avoid it. But among the teams that did, uh, he did acknowledge had some interest in him, and I guess there were several. Were uh, the Buffalo Bills, which is really where he's from. That's where the Gronkowskis are from, uh, that part of Northern New York. Mm-hmm. And so that would have been the appeal for him to go home and a good and maybe team play up there, and a really good team, and one that one that truly wanted him as a tight end. You could see why. They would have had an interest in why he might have been interested in them, uh, a unique opportunity to 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 maybe uh, play in his you know near his hometown and and also uh, have a chance to win a ring you know with with another team in the AFC it would have been interesting because he'd have been in the AFC East uh, against the New England Patriots of course which the Bucks play 
at Gillette Stadium this year. So uh, that'll be a homecoming for him as well. But uh, but Gronk was funny. You know, uh, I said in the open, it's true. You know, he he was known almost as much for his antics uh, off the field after those Super Bowls um, and, you know, just the man about town, right? I mean, you know, Gronk was was always, you know, shown with, you know, dancing and, and uh, you know, having a few drinks now and then and uh, really got his party on for a long time. Uh, but he said at this age, he, he's not about that anymore. And it's funny because I think that, and this is a case with a lot of players over there uh, at, at the Bucks. Tom Brady has rubbed off on them in a lot of ways in that, uh, particularly if you're an older player, you know, they look at what Brady has done at 43 and Gronkowski is still in his thirties, but you know, the, the plyometrics, the stretching, um, uh, the hydration, and particularly down here in Florida, I mean, all those things with the TB12 that you hear about. And, and of course the TB12 facility is, is not far from where the Bucks, uh, facility is those guys all took advantage of that and have tried to live and and practice uh you know sort of a a healthier lifestyle to prolong their careers and I think Gronkowski has benefited from that I think he we we know he loves the lifestyle I mean that's one thing he's repeatedly said that you know being down here in Florida he's a he's a t-shirt and sandals guy anyway and you know his mom lives in um in Sarasota, I believe, she's only two hours away. She's able to come to all the home home games. He's able to see her on his off days. So there's virtually nothing he doesn't like about this place. In fact, he was pretty effusive about just how, you know, how how player-friendly it has been, how great it has been to be part of this organization. So, yeah, sign him up for another year, and he says he's ready to go. He said he could play another 20-game season right now. That's how good his body feels, which is saying something, that the fact that he – uh, had come off so many surgeries, and we've run a, a history of them. There's too many to mention uh, right now, but you know he had been through a lot with all his different surgeries in his back, his you know elbow and knee, and all all this stuff. But you know, at the end of the day, he he played every game last season and played the majority of those snaps at tight end, both as a blocker and a pass catcher, and he didn't he didn't miss a beat. And I think that's maybe the best thing you could say. Uh, about Gronkowski that and the fact that Jason Light made reference to this in a release uh, was that in addition to how much respect he has he's just such a fun guy to be around and you know there are some guys you see who they are off the field you see their tv personality and and if you know them in the locker room or you've you've seen them when the cameras aren't on you really know that's not who they are you know that's who they are sometimes but that's not who they are all the time no, Rob Gronkowski is is Rob Gronkowski all the time. You know, he he has so much fun. He loves football, uh, but he enjoys his teammates. He enjoys life. And as Byron Leftwich and others have said, if we all saw life the way Rob Gronkowski did um, and lived it the way he does, we would all be happier. And um, but but Gronk is uh, Gronk is surely. Are going to be welcomed back on that football team for them next year. Do we have any info if the training staff has required him to send videos every day of him working out <laughs> instead right, of you know five different story. shirts all at once? <laughs> well, the story is that you know last year everything was virtual and trainers actually personalized the workout regimens for each of these players based on position, you know, size, strength, age, what they could do at home, what they what equipment they had. They were even helping them manage to get some equipment if they needed it. So there, there's this whole, you know, 
unknown COVID thing, but one thing they required them or asked them to do was was to videotape um, their runs, you know, or their regiment so that they had sort of, you know, they could watch them. They could see whether they were doing things right, whether they were doing them at all. Um, and so it was a little like getting the homework checked by your, you know, getting your homework signed by your parents, right, and bringing it back so they know that you're doing it. So Gronkowski, being the vet, wily veteran that he is, he would work out, but he wouldn't work out five days a week or whatever was required. He instead would, would, would get a nice big sweat on for himself, and he would change shirts five times <laughs> during during one workout and just send in five different video pieces. And he was, you know, he was, he's obviously lathered up and he was sweating and he would just, he would just knock it off like that. So, um, clever. Uh, I, I'm not sure it helped him when he got to training camp in August, because as, as Bruce Arians said, he wasn't, uh, Tampa Bay in shape. Uh, he might've been new England shape, but, uh, uh, but that's that's Gronk for you, man. So yeah, no, I don't. They probably should have to authenticate those videos a little bit better this year. He'll probably do the same thing though. Knowing Gronk, he's not Gronk is not going to change. But hey, if it worked um, last year, why not? Yeah, I mean, you know, and and you know, he had a good season. They won the Super Bowl. I, in fact, would tell him to do the same thing. I would say, hey, whatever you do, make sure that you send in those five videos, but don't work more than one day because it worked. And really, I'll be honest with you. I think what he's talking about when you read those quotes about how much he loved it here. And there's no way around this. Bruce Arians is going is is well known and 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 loved, quite frankly, by veteran players because of the way he treats them. And what I mean by that is not that he doesn't expect them to practice because he does, and not that when they're on the practice field he doesn't expect them to go full speed when they're required to do so, unless it's a walkthrough, because he does. Um, but however, Bruce is the guy who also understands. Hey. This is a league of attrition. This is a war of attrition. And the team that stays the healthiest has got the best chance to win, not just on Sunday, but also uh, you know, a chance to get into the playoffs and make a deep run. And so B.A. has, uh, since he's been here, and Dirk Cutter to some extent too, but B.A. has particularly you know, taken care of veteran players, whether it's Sue or Gronkowski or even Tom Brady towards the end of the season took a lot of Wednesdays off. We now know that he had the knee issue and that it was probably a lot more serious than we were led to believe after the so-called, you know, cleanup job uh, that they've done on it. If you've seen some video of him, he looks, looks like he's got a little recovering to do, but um, you know, Jason Pierre, Paul, all those guys were able to, to rest, to get their recovery. Um, some of them were playing with injuries throughout the entire year that people didn't know about. Um, but all Bruce Arians did was, you know, Get them to Sunday. Get them at their maximum performance for those three hours whenever that game starts. And I'm okay with the rest of it. You know, if you don't practice and you're Jason Pierre-Paul, you know what to do at outside linebacker. Um, You know how to rush the quarterback. We don't have to tell you to be ready for the game. Um, You'll prepare, and you'll prepare mentally if you can't do it physically. And, And I think people like Gronkowski, who loves to practice, and he's a real practice guy. I don't remember him missing many of them. But when the time came that, that uh, you know, Arians thought he needed to rest, he would rest him. And I, I think if you're a football player, that's all you can ask for is somebody who wants to take care of his players and make sure that they're at their peak performance for those three hours on Sunday. Because down here in the heat in Florida, I know they got the indoor facility and all that, but it's just different, man. It's different working in that every single day. You get dehydrated. You can only put so much fluid back into yourself. So you really do need some rest and recovery if you're an older player. And I think that's what probably 
you know, Gronkowski and others really enjoy. Speaking of the NFL, there's a, a former Bucks receiver moving on from the Philadelphia Eagles, which was his last stop. He returned there after his stint with the Bucks. Deshaun Jackson is going back to L.A. to play for the Los Angeles Rams. And, you know, the Rams are now suddenly taking on this sort of, hey, anything Tampa can do, we can do better, right down to the fact that guess where the Super Bowl is this year? Yeah, L.A., SoFi Stadium, where the Rams play. So uh, you've seen them make their quarterback change, get their veteran quarterback in Matthew Stafford. They kicked uh, Jared Goff onto Detroit in that big blockbuster trade that they did there. And um, you're now starting to see them. uh, I mean, I guess you could, uh, you know, off-field issues aside with Antonio Brown, you could sort of liken Deshaun Jackson to an Antonio Brown. I mean, this guy's played – this will be his 12th season, I think. And, you know, but he's still got juice. And and his problem has been injuries. Uh, Brown's problem has been suspensions um, and things like that and just not getting along with with, with organizations. But Deshaun Jackson, if he can still take the top off of a defense, um, that's a hell of a signing. And I'm interested because he's – you know, the thing about Deshaun is – and he enjoyed Philadelphia – not so much here because you know there's a lot of quarterback issues and didn't get the deep ball as much as he needed to. But if he goes back to L.A. and performs in front of his 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 guys, you know his friends and his family and all of that, that's going to be a real interesting dynamic because a, Desha- a healthy Deshaun Jackson that could play 12 or 13 games can really help a football team. His problem has been injuries, and usually players don't get more healthy uh, or more productive as they get older. But I like this signing. I think this is a good one. I, I agree. I, I think that it, Antonio Brown uh, correlations exactly right with this. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the Rams have a bunch of weapons. They don't need yep. him to be the star. They don't need him to be the number That's one right. or an every down receiver per se. Um, mm-hmm. This is adding another weapon, another piece for Matthew Stafford, um, and and just you know, as the Buck showed last year, you know, it, when we thought. Antonio Brown was going to be a distraction and they had too many receivers. It, it turned out that that was wrong. I mean, with injuries and, and, and the course of a season, everything goes on, you can't have enough weapons. And, and so I, I think it's a really good fit for the Rams. And, and I really think you're kind of seeing that the, the Bucks and the Rams may be the two favorites in the NFC going into the season. I totally agree. I, I think that the Rams, even though, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo should be back for the 49ers and they've lost some pieces on defense, but I, I still believe in John Lynch and, and uh, Kyle Shanahan and those guys to have a bounce back. I'm not sure where Seattle is or even if Russell Wilson will be their quarterback. Um, and I think the Rams were better than Seattle a year ago. They certainly beat them in the postseason. So, I mean, there's a lot to like about what the Rams have done. It's a gamble. You get rid of Jared Goff after you drafted him and, and paid him all that money younger quarterback, but you bring in the guy in Matthew Stafford who can absolutely spin it, and he's one of the toughest guys in the NFL. Yeah, he didn't win a playoff game in Detroit, but at least he was able to, uh, to you know, to, to withstand a lot of, just a lot of things that went wrong uh, that weren't his fault in Detroit, and, and play through injury uh, can still, you know, I think be a dynamic quarterback for the Rams. And I think you pair him with, with, uh, uh, you know, Sean McVay, one of the best play callers in the league. I, I think the Rams are, are very much looking like the Bucks did a year ago. Now they don't have a guy with six Super Bowl rings. I get that now seven, but 
Los Angeles to me is is going to be one of those teams in the NFC. Every year there's probably about four to five teams that have a legitimate chance, right? You would say Green Bay again for sure with Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. um, after what they've done, 13 wins in the regular season in the last two years. Of course, that game could have gone either way in the championship game this year. I would say New Orleans if if either Taysom Hill or, or Jameis Winston takes another step um, because you know they only lost one football game the last two years without Drew Brees. You forget that you know Teddy Bridgewater two years ago was five and zero when Brees didn't play, and um, you know last year they were three and one when Brees was out. So Sean Payton knows how to get it done without Drew Brees, and in many ways they could be more dangerous if Jameis Winston is the quarterback and doesn't turn the ball over as much as he did throughout his career. Uh, he's he's a more dynamic down the field thrower. So you'd have to you have to consider them. I, I don't know that there's anybody in the NFC East, but you don't know if Dallas is gonna gonna rise up. You know, in their second year under Mike McCarthy, um, you know, and with you, a healthy Dak Prescott, a healthy Dak Prescott who's who's now paid uh, and has his long term deal, and they still got Ezekiel Elliott and so many others, Amari Cooper, so many others on that offense. They just need to improve their defense, which they could do in the draft. So there's about a handful of teams, and the Bucks are certainly one of them. I think. Um, but I like the Rams a lot. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. All right, Derek Sharp joins us now. And, and Derek, it's weird that it's, uh, and we said this when we were talking just before the podcast, that it's not uh, 5 o'clock in the morning when I'm talking to you because that's usually when we would talk. But um, oh, it's, it's awfully man. good to hear you again, man. Yes, and I'd be fully awake. And now that I can confess that I was never awake during any of our time together at WDAE. No, I do, I do miss the show. I don't know what happened to you guys there, but uh, I'm glad uh, you're, you're still getting your voice out there. It's, it's, you did a great, you really, and Tom did a great job. Well, we had fun, and, and you, kept us, uh, you kept us going the right direction anyway, and, and uh, hopefully you'll do this uh, with, with this podcast as well. So Derek Sharp is now, uh, of course, the voice. You hear him uh, all the time with USF, voice of the Lady Bulls in the NCAA tournament where you are now. Uh, exciting times, obviously, you do basketball, soccer, softball, pretty much everything over there as well as uh, the Daily Show. But um, I wanted to talk to you, of course, about what's happening uh, right now with the, with the Lady Bulls and a big win over Washington State, 57-53. Uh, they were on fire in the second quarter. They, they kind of had to hang on, but um, okay. were really tested in, in a, very, a very tough game. Um, and I think they, they showed you know, some, of their, some of their resolve in that. Um, let's, let's start with, with just the fact that um, it's, it's been a, a tough year for them. I mean, they went so long without playing and you know, when we were talking just a minute ago, uh, just th- their ability to, to kind of grind out the end of the year and how that may have helped them in this game. Oh, it definitely helped them. And, uh, talked about how it looked like they had it and then had to grind it out at the end, but that's exactly what they've been doing ever since they returned from their pause. They were rolling along. They beat couple of teams, Tulane and Houston, by 20 points plus. And we're talking about teams that after they played the Bulls would go on to win their next six games, like no wow. problem. So that's the role that they were on. 
and then COVID hit them and they were out for a month, came back, just sort of slogged together through a couple of victories. Hadn't really been tested that often all season since early on when they, of course, played the defending national champions. Baylor took them to the wire beat Mississippi State, which is the highest ranked team they've ever play, uh, beaten in overtime. But then they started to get really tested and it really took them a while to figure out their shooting, which is normally a strength of the team. And they didn't always win games with their shooting, but that period of close games at the end of the regular season. And let me tell you, last week at the conference tournament, I don't know if any team has ever made it to the finals of a conference tournament by not shooting better than 30% in their lead-up games, but that's how they won. <laughs> and then they beat UCF. They finally got the shooting going. But again, even in that game, they were up 51-27, and then UCF puts on an 18 nothing run. So they really had to get... The, the clutch genes going in each mm-hmm. of those games. And that really set them up for last night because, again, up by 12 in the first half, but just couldn't do anything right to start off the third quarter. And all of a sudden, Washington State had the lead, and they had the lead with 90 seconds to go. Timeout. Jose Fernandez sets up a play for Elena Chinecki, who has just been the most clutch player. And it was almost like a, a pitch quarterback to a running back. She got the pitch from Shea Leverett, scored, and then uh, the Bulls maintain the lead with free throw shooting and defense. But they've had to grind out every single win they've had essentially since their return. None of the wins have been easy, but they're 19-3. and three. I mean, 19-3, and three, right? I mean, it's a remarkable record, and, and we can get into how they uh, still got screwed, in my opinion, and many, oh, many yeah. uh, being the number eight seed, which is why they're playing NC State today at, at 3 o'clock, which is a number one seed. Um, but let, let's talk a little bit about now, now you know, uh, I'm married to a Greek woman, so I'm going to admit, admit this right off the bat that she was excited while we were watching that Elena Chinecki is, is in fact from Greece and, and that she led the team with 18 points in that backcourt, of course, they're playing, you know, really three guards, I guess, with Pinson and Harvey. So tell me about Chinecki and just the ability of Jose Fernandez, um, to recruit internationally and, and find some real talent there. It's It's been something else, and once they moved uh, out of the Big East and into the American and had to complete with the lights of UConn, it was just a strategy and basically a, a, a map change that Jose Fernandez undertook, and they have mm-hmm. not exclusively an international roster, but it is two-thirds European, and it, it's mm-hmm. just been that way for the last five years, and Chineke is somebody that they got from Greece, and she wasn't cleared at the beginning of last season. And her reputation was as a driver, someone that just loved to go to the hole. But she can shoot mm-hmm. the three, too. And, man, what you need at this time of year is somebody that's not afraid, and she is not afraid. <laughs> um, the game against UCF, again, I talked about that 18 nothing run, and we're all biting our nails and thinking this would be the worst loss ever if UCF <laughs> comes down from 24 to beat you in the conference finals. And she was the one that stepped up and made baskets on the next two possessions and and game was over. Well, last night she was the one that made three shots in a row to start off the second quarter. And then again, no doubt who they were going to once Washington state took the lead Mm -hmm. late. So she's really kind of casual sometimes looking, but we have seen that demeanor Mm -hmm. really come out in her once these games have started to Mm -hmm. really count. Remember last year, the bulls never got a chance in the NCAA tournament the last two years they had. Uh, and, and, And so, and there's been some fire, too. She's almost drawn a couple of technicals because the other team has been given a grief. You know, I get some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, and, and, and she's made a clutch shot and did that little pause, like, take that. So <laughs> <laughs> that's the only thing. You might have to calm her 
uh, Greek fire down a little bit, but that's okay. You need that this time of year. Now, I've seen that before, believe me, up close and personal. <laughs> but good, good, good for her that um, that she has that clutch gene. And, and really, when you watch them play, and this is maybe a staple of, of Jose Fernandez's teams, is their willingness to share the basketball uh, and, and create movement and open shots is, is what really has impressed me. Oh, no doubt about it. And that's when they're at their best. Um, and their, their point guard is outstanding. She is Italian, very Italian. Elisa Pinzon. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. she, she, has got, she has got that coolness about her as well. And she has really come on uh, again. Both she, Chinecki, and Sidney Harvey can handle the ball. You need more than two players that can handle the ball, especially yep. when the defense yep. picks up this uh, part of the year. You're always playing teams that are strong defensively. And, and those three have really carried the load. I mentioned the UCF game in the conference tournament final. Uh, if you look at their final numbers, those three scored all but four of the Bulls' points. And then last night, mm. they scored all but ten of the Bulls' points. That's another thing that's been going on lately when, you know, you lose and you're in trouble. Uh, Jose Fernandez has really shortened the bench, but they've stayed out of foul trouble and they've gotten the job done. And they do have some contributors that can help them off the bench, but realistically, their starters, we talked about them, Shineki Harvey and Pinzon, of course, underneath with the double-double machine that is Betty Menunga. And their center, Shea Levert, who's the only player actually in her second NCAA tournament because she's a redshirt senior, have uh, really been the bulk of the team's minutes. And, you know, defensively, I mean, look uh... – it seemed like Washington State had it going with their with their sisters, right? Crystal and uh, and Charlize uh, uh, is it Ledger Walker. Is that right? Correct, correct. Oh yeah, they're good. They're the reason they they were in the the tournament for the first time in thirty years. Charlize was the youngest. I didn't know that the New Zealand uh, national team was called the Tall Ferns, but their mother was an <laughs> Olympian for the Tall Ferns uh, back in eighty and eighty four, okay. I think it was, and so she was the youngest player ever to make the national team. Charlize uh, at sixteen. Pac-12 freshman of the year. And, boy, the biggest play, you're talking about defense, the biggest play of the game, although there were many, trust me, was when the Bulls had taken the lead on the Chinecki shot and timeout, Mm -hmm. other side, and you knew that Charlize was taking the shot. You knew. So Harvey was on her, and she's about to line up a three. Shea Leverett steps out, puts her arm straight up, and Charlize had to have second thoughts, shuffled her feet, travel. So talked about the defense. Right. Especially at the end of the game. And it was great coaching. I mean, these guys, I get to see film studies now that I'm on the road with the team. They know exactly what's coming. So the players are as well prepared as you could possibly be. And last night it really showed in the key moments. There was the one drive, uh, Derek, where Charlize uh, was going to the basket. I think she was trying to initiate contact, maybe create a three-point play. And they were crafty enough uh, to still defend her and not foul her in that instance. (laughs) Well, and, the, and again, goes back to coaching because, and I said this on the air, if anyone was listening to the broadcast, after Pinzon makes her free throws, and by the way, she never misses in the fourth quarter. I thought, you know, last night could be a test of their medal, and sure enough, Pinzon sinks the two, so it's a three-point game. And they had uh, only committed two fouls in the quarter. In, in women's basketball, right. you don't shoot free throws until the fifth foul. So I said, you, you just know they're going to foul them twice here. And so mm-hmm. it sort of broke up Washington State's rhythm. So A, great coaching there. And then once they have the chance with 19 seconds left inbounds pass here comes Charlize and just like you say Harvey was on her she anticipated the contact so she sort of threw flung her body into Harvey who I mean right. very subtle but great move moved out of her way and almost out made of her, her way. fall down mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. it was amazing their execution on defense 
was absolutely tremendous. And this is a Washington State team that essentially got into the tournament with three wins. They came back from down 18 to beat Arizona, which is a great team in a three seed. And she was the one that made the shot that forced overtime and then the buzzer beat her to win. So you knew she was going to drive to the basket and try and cause contact there. Uh, but the Bulls, mm-hmm. in the end, executed not only X's and O's, but maybe a little bit of the, the gritty stuff a lot better. Yeah, definitely great instincts there. And, you know, you, you mentioned that this is a team that's been tested. They beat uh, ranked teams this season, Mississippi State, of course, being uh, maybe the best. So now they play a North Carolina State team, uh, a top seed. So what are the matchups in this one that they have to be, uh, you know, particularly aware of? And just uh, how would they have to, to play their game in order to pull off the upset here? Well, it, you, always when you're talking to Jose Fernandez, it's like focus on us, not the other team. Right. Uh, sometimes that sounds good, but you kind of have to look at the other team in this case. And NC State has a six-five center. Uh, Kunan is her last name, and she is just a beast inside. Once the ball gets inside, it's going through the hoop. So mm. they are really the whole key to this game is going to be making sure that Betty Menunga and Shea Leverett stay out of foul trouble. And if they do pick up the second foul, that the backup center, Beatrice Jordal, can come in and help out. But the problem with this matchup is it's similar to UCF in the fact that there's so much size underneath for NC State. I mean, even their their backup guard, their sixth man, is 6'2", and she's great. Uh, against UCF, essentially, the Bulls have a backup um, power forward, Christine Bermejo, great defender. But she's a little slight of build compared to some of these bodies. So she didn't play at all against UCF in mm. both of the in both of in all three of the meetings now that I think about it. So that is going to be the main thing for the Bulls matchup wise. I think they match up fine on the perimeter. They are going to have to make their shots. They're not going to be able to score underneath. I know they're going to try to. And I'm telling you, they're playing in the Alamo Dome, which I was a little bit surprised because if you read the tea leaves, you know, the marquee teams were getting that Alamo mm-hmm. Dome on Sunday and 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 Monday as the second round conti- first round continues and I just assumed that Stanford would stay in the Alamo Dome that Baylor Texas hello would stay in the marquee building but those teams both got put off to satellite campuses so we are going to be wow. actually in the Alamo Dome and they practiced there a few days ago and it is a difficult shooting backdrop to adjust to but NC State will have the same yep. they're, not, they're not a great three point shooting team NC State but the Bulls are so I think that's going to be the key. And I know this is something small, but keep an eye on it. And I'm not sure which side we're going to be shooting to, north or south court. And I'll know when I get there. But there's a big black curtain that splits the two courts. Shooting into the black curtain is the way to go. So <laughs> whichever, side of the court, whichever side of the court the curtain is on, the shots are probably – you're going to probably want to shoot into the curtain. I know. You're getting some exclusive information here. But shooting into that vast expanse of seats that won't be very filled, that is a tough backdrop. So a little inside info for you there. That's really good. The per- Yeah, the perception certainly changes in a big arena and even worse when you don't. So you want to uh, – when you win the coin flip, you take the curtain, not the ball, <laughs> yes. right? Is that how it goes? <laughs> <laughs> or you just or you just line it up on that side of the court. Uh, That's all, right. Every every three point shot will be from the right or the left, depending on uh, which way you're headed. Exactly right. Um, well, that's interesting. Okay, let's uh, let me just ask you about Jose Fernandez because look, he has built this program uh, into one now. This was their first tournament win in five years, but but certainly 
Derek, he's a guy that could coach other places. I believe that really, and he's probably been been offered that opportunity. He wants to to remain here at USF. He says and and continues to uh, to make these guys better and better. He had a tough week though, and he was emotional after the game. I don't know if that's typical of him or what. Um, but just talk about what what Jose has been through and and, and his his ability to, uh, uh, to to accomplish what they have done here. I think he's really he really feels like this is his family, and that uh, you know he raised it. And yeah, yeah, you don't want to just hey. Uh, it's been uh, 15 years with your family. Would you like to leave for this other family and leave your leave your wife and kids behind? No, you're not going to do that. I mean, hopefully, hopefully you're not going to do that. And, right. Uh, Jose, I know I wouldn't. And Jose Fernandez uh, has not. As far as the tough week, uh, while we were doing COVID testing every day, which was very welcomed because the first two days, 48 hours, we were stuck in our hotel rooms except for um, – walks to and from COVID testing. But while that was happening, he was really holed up in his room because he had the flu. <laughs> he had it for 48 oh, wow. hours. And, you know, you, you, you come all this way, you do all this stuff, and then you might not be able to coach, or at least the I'm sure the thought crossed his mind that he might not be able to coach because of the flu. So he popped back into full gear on Friday and was ready to go. And I think that's why it all hit him because, again, it has been five years. The last time they made the tournament, was actually mm-hmm. my first year doing the, the games, and they were up big and just fell apart, gave up 102 points against Buffalo. So I think he really wanted to get that one out of the way and now focus to uh, just kind of being the underdog and the Sly Fox and the undeserved eight seed for sure and maybe pull yeah. a huge upset. It's possible. Yeah, he did He did mention that eighth seed, I think, once or 20 times yesterday after the game. <laughs> eight <laughs> Which, is enough. I, I, eight eight is, enough. is enough. Is there, uh, is there a thing? <laughs> Loyola on the men's side, I think uh, they're, yeah. they're catching on to that. So hopefully everybody else will. Def- definitely. So if they win, I'll get you out on this. If they, if they win, you're going you're gonna to remain there with them, obviously, as the voice of the Bulls. But um, <laughs> there's also a spring football game I hear on Saturday. That's kind of a big thing around these parts. So uh, <laughs> tell me what's going on with uh, Coach Scott and, uh, and, and his Bulls because he's got some new players to look at as well. I think the great thing is that it's going to be – you can still get tickets for that thing because it's going to be at Ray J. And, yeah. Uh, I would say I hope to be part of the broadcast, but I don't because if if the Bulls win against NC State, they will stay uh, in San Antonio. And uh, we have plenty of hands, Jay Retcher, Jim Lighthall, Steve Erznick, that can handle the broadcast. But as far as the game itself, (laughs) I know it's always, what, coach a quarterback. And in this case, quarterback seems to be the uh, big topic. They love a lot of their players. Cade Fortin is the guy that was a transfer from North Carolina. Didn't really mm-hmm. get it going, had some injuries last year, but he's been outstanding. Timmy McLean, who is a true freshman uh, from the state champion team, Sanford Seminole, is also jumping into the mix. Uh, they also have uh, the kid from Miami, so that's going to be the big story. But it's really been a lot of ownership being taken, a lot of, I mean, a lot of positive vibes. But, you know, in the end, Jeff Scott's a smart guy. He knows that they've got to do better than one win. And this will be sort of the springboard into the offseason and we're going to see some great stuff this summer. Once that spring game is over, by the way, and once sports are over for this calendar year, they're going to start renovating the athletic center there that my mm-hmm. office is in. So I'll be working from home all summer, which I don't mind. And uh, then you look at a, a schedule that includes Alabama, um, the Florida Gators next year. So uh, spring game, I don't think there's enormous expectations, but a lot of positive vibes. 
And we look forward to being able to carry that for you live on uh, the channel, USF Bulls Unlimited, by the way. Yeah, USF Bulls Unlimited. That's where you hear Derek Sharp and his play-by-play of USS women's basketball team going against North Carolina State today at 3 p.m. Uh, he also hosts the daily show called Bulls Beat, which airs mornings at 9 a.m. and does play-by-play for just about everything over there at USF. Derek, thanks so much for joining. Good to catch up with you, buddy. Same here. Anytime. So I was a little surprised in that uh, interview with Derek Sharp that he didn't give the NCAA a sharp stick to the eye for giving the <laughs> USF Bulls an eight seed. Doink! That was that was the greatest bit that he ever did, by the way. And he started that on Saturday mornings when he did his, mm-hmm. his Saturday morning show, and I loved it. I thought it was great. The sharp stick in the eye. They The NCAA definitely deserves a lot of sharp sticks in the eye right now, uh, not the least of which for the disparity between women's and men's basketball and the way they've treated them during the tournament. But... Um, yeah, that eighth seed, man. And that's the thing. They would they would not be playing a team like NC State today. I think they would have probably uh, not only had a much easier matchup, but a really good chance of going to the Sweet 16, which I think they're one of the top 20 teams. It just doesn't make sense. How do you get an eighth seed when you're ranked in the top? I think they were ranked in the top 20, 25, and they lost only three games all season, and they were the conference champions regular season and the tournament champion. It makes no sense to me at all that you would be seated as low as they were. Yeah, trying to explain the NCAA in just about anything is, is kind of a right. useless cause at this point. So It really is. It really is. Hey, uh, before we go, uh, congratulations to a friend of the show that uh, we have on very often, Chris Torello of Spectrum Sports Bay News 9. Uh, you see him all the time. Listen, you know, he is the ultimate Bachelor fan, but he's no longer going to be a Bachelor. He has uh, proposed to the lovely Jennifer. I don't You saw this on social media. Mm-hmm. He was, uh, looked like he was at the beach on one knee. Uh, and somehow, in some way, she said yes. So congratulations on the final rose ceremony between those two. He's definitely outkicked his coverage on this one. Oh, of course. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's got uh, he's got the lovely Jennifer now, going to be soon to be Mrs. Trello. I'm not sure when the wedding is, um, but I'll be looking for my invite in the mail for sure. And uh, tomorrow on tomorrow's show, of course, uh, my former radio partner, speaking of radio, will be Tom Jones. will join us as he does each and every week, maybe for a couple days. And so we'll talk to him now with the Pointer Institute of Media Studies. Always great to catch up with Tom and get his sports takes as well. Hope you enjoyed the show. Hope you enjoy watching USF women's basketball today at 3 p.m. For Steve Burstink, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.